You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Good morning. (laughs) Wow, it's been a great morning already. I just appreciated that new song so much. Speak Jesus. How awesome was that? Wow, yeah. Thank you, worship team, always doing such a great job. We have, uh, uh, there's Opie. Um, We have, uh, Opie has a friend here today from Nigeria. He pastors in Nigeria. Sir, would you just stand? We could honor you today. Pastor, thank you for being with us today. That's just... Brother, I just felt like um, as you head home, I'm not sure how long you're in Canada for, but as you head home, I feel like in your church there's some plans and some dreams that you guys have been wanting to see fulfilled, and there's been some things hindering that. And I feel like God said to tell you that finances are on their way. God's going to provide. He's, he, if, 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 if he's telling you to do it, he's going to pay the bill. And I feel like there's some government officials that have been standing in the way um, that are now going to actually open the door, hold it open for you. It, people are going to say, we never believed that that guy would be the guy to open the door in our community to what God wants to do. Well, that guy is going to do it, or that woman, I'm not sure which it is. But sir, uh, God bless you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for pastoring. Thank you for caring and loving people. Just love you so much. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. We have a young man here today that I just want to take a minute or two to Fuss over and bless. Uh, Daniel, where are you? If you could stand. This is Daniel's last Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Uh, We just love Daniel. Um, I met Daniel the first time when Pastor Paul Lequier was doing youth ministry here at Harvest. And uh, Pastor Paul said, I want you to meet this phenomenal young man that I've met um, in the youth ministry. We met at Tim Hortons and heard his story and knew immediately that God's, uh, the Jeremiah verse, uh, so applies to all of us, but God specifically was zeroing in on some things. Daniel, in your life, watched you become uh, from a teenager to now a man uh, that is taking the world by storm, and his journey is taking him more into the Ottawa area, and uh, we want to bless him today, that he take all Uh, that we've been able as a family, and he's been family. He's been on staff. He's been around. It is just, if you don't know Daniel, make sure you you just at least say hi to him today and bless him today before he goes. But we want to just kind of get behind you like jetpacks today and into this next chapter of your life, which I know you're excited about and definitely the Holy Spirit's excited about. Would you just reach your hands out toward Daniel today? Father, we thank you for Daniel. We thank you, Lord, that uh, this really has been a family here in this. This wasn't just the house of God. This was the family of God for Daniel and, Lord, for us as we've been the recipients of uh, all that he has contributed, uh, both in personality and in friendship and in relationship, but behind the scenes, Lord, hours and hours and hours of serving, uh, and, and in the, not only behind but in front as well. Lord, as he goes, we just pray right now the blessing of God would go with him. We pray, oh God, that you would open doors that no man could shut. Father, doors that should not be open, Lord, that they would not open. And Lord, you would guide him and lead him. And as the 
Old Testament prophets said, this is the voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Lord, as you journey with him, it'll be a journey of faith. He'll hear the voice behind, and in faith, he'll step ahead. And we bless him as he does it now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thank you, Daniel. Love you so much. <laughs> Quick reminder, just all things uh, government, uh, we have our... Uh, a business meeting that we're doing on June the 20th, and an accountant that does the audits on our books each year comes to make a presentation to uh, uh, talk about uh, what's on account, how we've spent it, all of those things. If you're interested in that, you call this your home church. You're more than welcome uh, on June the 20th at 7 p.m. Well, just before I jump into the Word this morning, I want to, uh, not very often I get to sit with my mom in church on Sunday. My mom is visiting with my aunt and my cousin, and I just love you guys so much, my Aunt Judy, Charity, and my mom, Carol. And, uh, and my Aunt Judy was the one I told you about uh, a few weeks ago as we talked about the Holy Bible and what is the Bible. And I had the Bible that she gave me in 1972. And I put her on the spot this morning, I handed it to her, and I said, so you put an inscription in in 1972, and it's got me a long way. So that inscription brought me, that's a lot of years ago. And I said, would you just write something you feel the Holy Spirit's writing for the next chapter of my life? So I can't wait to read that, put her on the spot a little bit. All right. <laughs> this morning we're talking about redigging the wells. This is part four. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells, plural, of salvation. We've talked about the well of family, the well of healing, the well of financial provision. I've been hearing some crazy financial provision stories. I love that uh, after the preaching of the word, the scriptures say that there's signs and wonders that follow. I have a good friend uh, that lives in another city. He's looking at transitioning uh, to, an, to another city other than the one he's in. And uh, a business, uh, actually, um, uh, yeah, I'll just say it that way. A businessman came to him and said, the Lord's been speaking to me. Um, I understand you want to transition. He knew that naturally. He said, the Lord told me to buy you a house in that city. I'm going to buy you a house. He's, he's stroking a check for $700,000 to buy a house so that my friend can fulfill his destiny and the word of the Lord in his life in this other city. I like the well of provision. How about you? I like that people learn this to the point that they can stroke checks for $700,000 to bless. Somebody in this room is going, man, that's impossible. It isn't. If you will come into the simplicity of trusting God with your finances, it doesn't jump from seventy dollars to $700,000, but that, that this, this businessman has known the principles of God his whole life, and uh, I just love that, that he's able to do that. I've heard some other stories. We're going to capture them on video and uh, have them in the archive so that you can be blessed and stirred as we're digging out the wells. Uh, Isaac uh, was a man that was prosperous, the Bible said. He was very prosperous. The enemy can't touch our blessing. And uh, the enemy couldn't touch Isaac's blessing, but what he did is start to dry up the wells, the water, natural water in the ground, which symbolizes for us the wells of salvation, the different graces that as we grow as a church, that through blood and sweat and tears, not because we earn it or deserve it, but because we press into the things of God over the years. We started our 20th year at Harvest, and there are some beautiful expressions. We've talked about healing, family, provision. Today, I want to talk to you about the well of deliverance and how God sets people free. 
And over these last couple of years, we've just discovered that the enemy has kicked some dirt into these wells. And we're not going to tolerate one well being filled. We're going to, just this series is just reminding us, let's get the wells, let's get all of these graces flowing in power again. And then we need to dig some new wells, and we're going to be doing that as well. So today, the well of deliverance. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. Aren't you glad that when you cry out, that God hears us? Is there anybody today? You're glad that God hears you? It doesn't have to be a, a really, like, polished prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. It, you know, it's not those kinds. It's just, Help! And we cry out, and God hears us. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Every time he delivers them from all their trouble, he delivers them. I want to talk about the well of deliverance. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Somebody in the room today, somebody online, some things have taken place in your life. They've just been sucking life out of you. You feel brokenhearted. He's close to you today. Just let him, let him come closer to you. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles. Isn't that great also that the Bible <laughs> acknowledges that uh, we get it wrong, we get into trouble. Anybody ever get into trouble? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the righteous person may get into many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. The well of deliverance. Holy Spirit, help us today understand how powerful this is. We sang about it. But Lord, now I just ask that upon the foundation of the word of God, the wise man builds his house on the rock and does what Jesus says to do. As we do your word today, not just here, but we do, but set the captives free, I ask in Jesus' name. Everyone said well, if you've been around church for a while, this word conjures up. It's, there's a spectrum of soup to nuts uh, in Christianity, and especially in our circles, uh, kind of a more charismatic expression. And there's some just really weird stuff. Say weird. Weird stuff around this word deliverance. And uh, if you've never, if you haven't been around church for a while or you might be new today, uh, you're probably, if you're old enough like me, you're thinking about a Burt Reynolds movie. And uh, it, it's really none of those things. Uh, it's actually a very simple concept, a very powerful concept, and a very underused well that I want to just put faith in your heart today to believe God for in your circumstance and situation. To be able to understand the word, and we find it all through the Bible, and I thought about maybe using a different word, and I thought, no. No, just because some crazy people have, have kind of tainted the word, uh, it's a Bible word. So let's just bring understanding to this Bible word of deliverance. And the Lord said, and he was speaking, God was speaking to Moses about setting God's people free from the captivity of Egypt. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry, very similar to what prophet Isaiah just said, because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And let me just unpack some of this. It's going to help us today. The Lord said, I've seen their oppression. And the taskmasters of Egypt, Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's officers, uh, Pharaoh saw how, how God's people were multiplying. He was afraid of them. So he placed them into slavery. So they would build his pyramids and build his empire. And the children of Israel, God's people, didn't realize that they could break free from 
that. That wasn't God's will that they should be in bondage in Egypt. And the taskmasters, quickly today, I'm just making some connections for us today, that the, the, dark, the forces of darkness are real. There is a demonic realm. The Bible said that when Satan was kicked out of heaven, a third of the angels went with him. And sometimes the Bible talks about angels, and you don't know if they have white wings or black wings. You have to look at the context of the scripture. Because demons are sometimes referred to as angels because they began that way. Taskmaster, oppression. This oppression that the people of God were being oppressed with was physical. It was mental and it was spiritual. They were tormented because of the work of the evil leader in uh, Pharaoh who was, who was uh, oppressing God's people. And God says it this way. He says, I will deliver them out of the hand. I will deliver them out of the hand of Egypt. Throughout the scriptures, if there was an enemy or a person who had power over another person, the scriptures would teach us this way and say that God said, I will deliver them out of the hand. And the hand is symbolic of power and authority. And so Egypt had a grip, a death grip on God's people. Today there are believers in this room online and and, and you maybe didn't understand or know that when Jesus went to the cross, that he died to set you free, to loose the bondages and the oppressions of the death grip that Satan may have on you in areas of your life. Kept, we would say captivity, or we sang about that word stronghold. I'll talk about that in a moment. And God said, I will deliver them out of the hand, out of the grip, out of the power, out of the influence of the enemy. And you can only do that if the guy freeing out of the grip has a stronger hand. The Bible says that God's arm is not too short that it can't reach you. And when we cry out in things that are oppressing us, God hears us and he wants to deliver us out of whatever has a grip on us and said, let go. I have a grip. You loosen your grip. And God has power over the enemy. He goes on to say this, that as God would deliver them, and there's our word, the well of deliverance, and bring them up to a land, a good land, a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, which was the promise of the promised land. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and, and give you abundant life. And what that scripture tells us is we don't wait until heaven to experience eternal life. That the blessing of God and, and a relationship with Jesus living in us begins the day that we say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. And so Jesus gives us eternal life. And what this promise to, that is, that is an analogy for us, and we can bring this promise out of the Old Testament through the cross event that we call Easter into our lives today. And what it means for your life and my life is that Jesus set us free from sin and he set us free from the grip of the enemy on our life and the taskmasters, demonic forces that try to plague God's people because the devil hates God so much, but he can't do anything to God, so he tries to take out his anger on God's people who God loves so very, very much. And God wants us to rise up because of what Jesus did for us and become victorious warriors. And the Bible teaches us that in the final moments at the end of the age, God's going to point to what Satan said, frail humanity. What good will they ever do? 
And God's going to say, what good did they ever do? They displaced you, buddy, right off the planet. And now I'm binding you for a thousand years and throwing you into a pit because my church is powerful in me. And he wants us to learn that. He wants us to experience the well of deliverance. And so his hand not only breaks the grip of the enemy's hand, he picks us up in his hand and takes you to a new experience in your life. And that's key for us today. And I could keep unpacking just that thought right there um, of not leaving us where we are. Jesus said this, and I want to read it out of the message version. I give them real and eternal life. They are protected from the destroyer. That's a word that, that um, Peterson's using for the devil. They are protected from the destroyer for good. See, for good. But our experience is we do experience the grip. We find ourselves in that grip. But Jesus is saying they are protected from the destroyer for good. What was accomplished on the cross is once for all. It's there for us. And we need to learn to dig out the well of deliverance and experience this grace of living in freedom. No one can steal them out of my, say it, out of my hand out of my power, out of my authority. No one can steal them out of my hand. We've been delivered from one hand and placed in another. The Father who put them under my care is so much greater than the destroyer and thief. No one could ever get them away from him. Scriptures go on to say that not, neither height nor depth nor principalities or powers, which is a phrase in the New Testament talking about demonic forces, the taskmasters of Egypt were humans, but the taskmasters against the believer are demonic forces that the Bible says nothing can separate me from God's love, the well of deliverance. When we got saved, we were taken out of Satan's hand, out of that power. And as I declare this today, I get a little bit... <laughs> I get angry sometimes when people will push all the good stuff of what Jesus purchased on the cross into eternity when we die. And so I recently preached about the well of healing. Inevitably, I'll always have somebody say, but pastor, isn't it true that ultimately when we get to heaven, we'll all be healed? Won't that be the ultimate healing? And I'm like, yes, that is true. But it defeats the whole, why would we even preach about healing? You don't need healing in heaven. So yes, when we get to heaven, we are ultimately healed. And that is a glorious, wonderful, biblical truth of hope that we hope for in, in, as we, when we pass from this life into that. It is beautiful. There is no sin. There is no sorrow. There are no, none of those things. But the scriptures teach we are to begin experiencing a land flowing with milk and honey and blessing here and now. And people that say to me, Pastor, isn't it true? Isn't it true that ultimately the struggle I have with this and the struggle I have with that and the struggle over here, ultimately I'll be delivered from all of that in heaven? Isn't that true? Which is the way they're, the way, their way of saying, um, I don't think it's available for me now. And I'm declaring today there's water in the ground called the water of deliverance. 
And we've got to, as a church, make sure that one's flowing. Because when people come and they have addictions and they come with loneliness and they come with anxiety and they come with debilitating oppression on their life because the stranglehold of sin and Satan has been there. And then we tell them about a glorious experience of salvation. And if we push it all into heaven, hey, one day, we are robbing ourselves and we're robbing them of the very truth that Jesus said. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, somebody. The well of deliverance is for today. And it's flowing if we'll allow it to flow. Fear can be a prison that can keep you from reaching your dreams and the promises that God has made you. Jesus has placed you in a land. He wants to move you from one place, the prison, and he wants to move you into the place of blessing, and he has already opened that door. He said this, I'm gonna quote from Isaiah, but Jesus said these words as he said it in Luke chapter four. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me, which is just a way of saying the Holy Spirit's power is a part of what Jesus was doing. To proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is another way of saying God's grace is here to set people free. God's grace is here to set people free. Would you say it with me? God's grace is here to set people free. There's water in the ground. He's paid for it. So let's talk about uh, accessing uh, this well in our own lives. Number one, you have to change your mind about the prison doors. You've got to change your mind about the prison doors. You've got to change your mind about the prison doors. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. If we're, we're, if we're experiencing debilitating fear, it's not from God. You have to source that immediately. This is not from God. This, this is from something outside of me. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. So if we're experiencing debilitating fear that overtakes us in a way that keeps us from becoming all that God's called us to be, we, we begin by saying, that's not from God. Say, not from God. All right. And you can put any other spirit in there, spirit of depression. And, and let me just pause here. If you're new to Harvest, uh, you will know that... Um, I believe that so much of what we experience in mental illness, just like physical illness, needs to be treated, and there are great resources, and there's great help today, and I've, you've never heard me say that every mental illness or difficulty we have, that we can attribute it to Satan, and, and, I'm, and I'm fairly understanding in that area, because we, so many of us deal with these areas of our life, but today I'm saying that let's consider it in circumstances where it becomes obvious that we're in a grip and nothing seems to be changing that. That's what I'm speaking to today when I talk about a spirit of depression or a spirit of anxiety or a spirit of fear or a spirit of addiction or a spirit of limitation. A taskmaster assigned to you to keep you in the grip is what I'm talking about. Well, God didn't give us that instead, but he gave us a spirit of power. I'm so 
thankful today for the Holy Spirit that lives in us, a spirit of power, God's dunamis power. In the New Testament, it means dynamite, a dynamite power, explosive power to, to blow up prisons that Satan wants to keep you in, and of love. The Bible says perfect love, God's perfect love, casts out all fear. When we embrace God's love and how much he loves us, it casts that fear out. But this is the one I want to key in on. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And if you were to go to uh, the lawyer and say, I want to write a will, then they're going to check to see if you are in sound mind. All of us would fail. <laughs> what it really means is, do you understand what's going on? That's all they, it's, it's actually a very low threshold for a will and whether or not you're in your sound mind. Do you understand what's going on? Well, you could be sitting, drooling, and they go, Roy, do you understand what's going on? Uh-huh, yeah, I do. And, and it's a, kind of a low threshold. But do you get it? Do you know what's going on around you? Sound mind. I'm gonna take it a step further in the spirit realm of what this scripture is talking about means that you are free in your mind, you are free. God has given you the capacity in the mind to be free from demonic influence. The voices of evil that find places to get into our head, and, and sometimes it's self-talk, but that self-talk is repeating what the enemy is saying about the grip that he thinks he has on you. But as long as he can convince you he has that grip, we allow him to have the grip. And Jesus is waiting for you to apply the power of him setting you free to get up and realize the prison doors, I'm talking about change your mind about the doors, are actually already open. Get out of the prison. Now I know that sounds simplistic, and please, for those that maybe in an area of your life that you're having difficulty and struggle today, you would say, Pastor, I've tried. I understand the struggle is real, but today I want to speak to unbelief, and I want to speak to doubt, and I want to speak to the things that the self-talk and the enemy talk, because you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a mind that can know what's going on. You can have the mind of Jesus today. The Holy Spirit can break through and go, that's not my voice today lying to you. That's not my voice telling you you're never getting out of here. That's not my voice saying... My voice says, I know the plans I have for you. My voice says, promotion's on its way. My voice says, addiction's going to drop off, and that stuff isn't going to hold you any longer. And I'm going to heal your heart that you're medicating. I'm going to set you free. Promise of deliverance. Soundness of mind. You actually, there's a gift from God that you can tell the difference. First Corinthians says, we have the mind of Christ. That Jesus' thoughts, Jesus' plan through his word can be made alive to you so you can begin telling the difference of which voices you're listening to. Let me illustrate with this story. Elephants are built to uproot trees using only their trunk, and yet the circus elephant never tries to leave. Elephants in their natural habitat would break free from their bondage and roam as they pleased. So why don't these circus elephants simply walk out of the circus? It's not like anybody would be able to stop them. The reason why circus elephants don't escape is that they believe in false limitation. They believe in invisible chains. This belief of bondage begins when these huge elephants are babies. 
barely able to walk on their own. Each circus, each circus hires elephant trainers to take these baby elephants and systematically force them to believe that they can never escape. To accomplish this, trainers first take a baby elephant when it's most vulnerable out of captivity and into the circus environment. The trainer then takes a huge metal clasp and tightly closes it around the baby elephant's ankle. That ankle clasp is then affixed to a heavy metal chain, which is hammered into the ground using a thick metal stake. It is that very moment that the baby elephant's instincts kick in, and it tells itself something is terribly wrong. I must break free. And the baby elephant notices that it's attached to this contraption, and it tugs at the chain, and it's panicking as it realizes it cannot escape. An instantaneous tantrum occurs because the baby elephant knows that this bondage is not normal. The baby elephant tries to run, but it can't. It gets snapped back by the chain, and the elephant tries to escape again, and it can't. The baby elephant knows it's not supposed to be chained down, and it's built to roam in the lands. The baby elephant knows that the circumstances of the circus tent is not where his story ends. So for two weeks, this baby elephant will fight with all of its will and all of its might to escape from the chain because it knows the truth. After two weeks, this baby elephant becomes tired frustrated, and defeated. Its will has been broken. With a bloodied ankle, the baby elephant now feels it can never move beyond the distance of this metal clasp and chain. The baby elephant is stuck. Fast forward 10 years, and the baby elephant has now grown to weigh over 6,000 pounds. And even though it is a massive and majestic animal, the circus elephant forever believes it's trapped within the circus. Now the trainer's only need to tie a small little rope around its ankle, just tight enough for the elephant to feel its pressure. When the fully grown elephant senses the rope, it believes it's that same baby elephant, and it doesn't know it can break free. The elephant is bound by invisible chains. Jesus says, you can break the rope. <laughs> He's given you the capacity and the strength. The enemy has told you, the Bible says we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And so even though instinctively when we become born again, we know there's something in us that says, I'm born in Jesus to Rome. We get excited that there's hope and we hear sermons that tell us that we can do more in Christ. But we feel the rope on our ankle and wonder, could I ever break free? Jesus declares, as I said a number of times, he who is the son sits free is free indeed. We're going to talk more about this in our summer book series by uh, Louis uh, Giglio, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we're going to unpack these thoughts for about six weeks. It's going to be awesome. You have to monitor your thoughts and your self-talk. And I, I would encourage you to find someone you trust to help you with that. Because you're saying things out loud about the grip that Satan has on you, which is helping convince you to agree with the mind, remember, we have a mind that knows what's going on. Once it's pointed out, you can begin tracking how you yourself are prophesying yourself into a, into a dungeon as opposed to prophesying yourself out into freedom. And so we need to, number one, really understand and come to grips with believing the prison doors are open. Say the doors are open. All right. Just as I shift gears here, and I want to leave you with this thought today, another way of digging out this well. The team can come join me on the platform. 
In the Old Testament, there's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three teenagers who find themselves in King Nebuchadnezzar's territory. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold image that people were told to worship, and the image was 90 feet tall. It's 23 feet uh, from the floor to the top of the ceiling, um, and so just imagine a 90-foot image. Say intimidating. I want to unpack a thought for you today as all of us draw water from the wells of deliverance and how God will do this for us sometimes. And so this intimidating, intimidating image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, ah, we're not coming under that. We're not coming under the intimidation of the enemy. We're not gonna come under the intimidation that we have to acknowledge this thing has power over us, only God. And what they were really doing was saying, there's only one grip we want on our life, and that's God's grip. I don't want that thing's grip on me, and that large 90-foot intimidating, gigundous, symbolic power of evil could be anything you and I, and online today, what you might be facing or what we might be facing in our lives that we feel has a death grip on us and we just can't get away from. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so we're not doing it. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty, the king who made this thing. We, you, we will God will deliver us from his, okay, you're getting it today. You see it, the hand? So you're so smart already, you know what all that means. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve, we will not come under, we will not acknowledge that those things have power over us, we won't do it. They got the first step right, they're not gonna acknowledge it, they're not gonna self-talk them into the prison. We are going to declare that God's power is on our life. We will not serve the gods or the worship the image of gold that you have set up. Here's a thought I had, and I want to share it with you. And so the story is that they are bound up hand and foot and tossed into the fire. And we're going we're gonna to finish the story in a second. They didn't say, we know our God is able to deliver. Like, when they said it, they said, even if God doesn't deliver us, the thought there is deliver us from the fire. They knew that the King Nebuchadnezzar would never get his hands on them because God's hands are, were on them. See, they were never implying, even if God doesn't deliver us from your hand. That was a given. Say, I'm in God's hands. All right. But the fire was optional. And you're facing something today, possibly. All of us have some areas where the enemy wants to get a grip on us, get power over us, to limit us in a little prison cell somewhere so that we can't roam free and do the majestic things that God has called us to. But we believe in a well of deliverance. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to set people free. It begins by going, I know Satan can never get his hands on me. I'll talk about the fire, because the fire was optional, even if you don't deliver us from the fire. Now watch how this works. Let's say that you're dealing today with a fear or an anxiety 
um, and, and you have, let's say you suffer from anxiety attacks that limits you. And so your territory of your life is smaller than God wants it to be because you're aware that there are triggers for anxiety, debilitating anxiety I'm talking about, or any anxiety that you want to escape from today. Then there's a fiery circumstance. Your boss said on Friday, I need to see you Monday morning. You have no idea why. And that would be a really cruel and unusual boss. Wouldn't it make you wait the whole weekend before you come into the office on Monday morning? But you would say, my anxiety is through the roof. <sighs> you have shortness of breath. For a weekend, you can't sleep because the fire of that meeting is causing the very bondages that you might not be aware of, the very things that God is wanting to root out in your life and deal with, and he's actually using the fire. And what I want to suggest today, that if you have some fiery circumstances that are coming your way, hey, I don't want to go through every fire, and I love it when God delivers me. He is able to deliver me from the fire. But if not, I know I'm still in his hand, and I'm going to say, God, as we go through this together today, would you reveal to me the things that have been holding me up? Because in the fire, they get seen. And some of you haven't made that connection. That every time there's a certain trigger or circumstance, a fiery event in your life, it exposes, it brings to the surface what ties you hand and foot in your life. And Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fire. I love the story. They said, no, we won't come under. When you just declare and realize I'm in God's hand, it's so simple today, the well of deliverance, I'm in God's hand. Then when you face the fire, hey God, if you can deliver me from this financial circumstance and situation I'm in, then that would be great. If not, then reveal in my heart any spirit of poverty, any spirit of lack, any spirit of whatever that's holding me down while I'm in that fire. And that's what comes to the surface in the forefront in the fiery circumstance and situation. Well, what do we do? What do we do when that happens? As these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, well, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. Look now, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. The scriptures go on to say that when they were freed out of that furnace, not even the smell of smoke was on their clothes. What am I saying today? You need to locate number two. In your fiery circumstance, if there are areas of being tied up where the enemy's got a grip on your life and that begins to manifest itself, find Jesus in your fire. Say, Jesus, I need to see you right now. And what he's gonna do is say, Come on, bring the ropes over here. The fire won't hurt you. Listen to me now. The fire won't hurt you, but I'm gonna burn off the stuff that's been holding you back, that's been tying you down, and I'm about to walk out of the prison with you because we said that deliverance is taking you out of the enemy's hand and bringing you to a new place called the place of freedom. And I want that desperately for every single person in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed 
We're going to sing this song today. Stir your faith. Whatever the Holy Spirit's revealing to you today, speak Jesus over that situation right now. In this holy moment, chains are going to begin to break. Your name is healing, your name is life. Over every heart right now, Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Jesus. Over fear and all anxiety. Right now, his powerful name. To every soul have captive by depression. He's walking in, he's extending his I hand speak to you Jesus. Because right oh, your name is power. Your name is healing, yeah. your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Your name on, is power. Run out of your prison right now, it's open. Your the name is open. power, your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold and shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. When you have a well, you can do it. Jesus Come on, in Harvest. The We're digging out the well of deliverance. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name. Ah, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Oh, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Every, every enemy. Oh, Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name. Jesus, your name is power. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. In the book of Acts, Peter has been captured by Herod and thrown into prison. He was put into the deepest part of the prison, solitary confinement in today's understanding. And there were 16 guards. There were four different entry points and they put strategically four guards on each one so that there were 16 guards. The Bible says that the church began to pray. They prayed for Peter. 
and an angel appeared in his cell and woke him up. He said, come on, Peter, we're getting out of here. And his chains instantly fell off his hands. And then they walked by the sleeping guards number station one, station two, station three, and station four. Kind of a progression of getting out. And then he got out in the streets, and the Bible says that he came to himself. In other words, he, it seemed like a dream. It seemed too good to be true. And he realized he, God had delivered him from the hand of that government. And he went to the church that was praying for him and said, I'm free. The church was praying for Peter's deliverance. As we, as a church, continue to pray and dig out this well, what you'll begin to see is a shortened amount of time of that process in people's lives. It doesn't have to take a lifetime to get free from something. It can be instantaneous and miraculous if there's a well of deliverance that's been dug out. And that's why I'm sharing this with you today, for you personally, for your marriage, for your family, and for our church. Just before we go today, just with every head bowed right now and every eye closed, I wanna ask this question. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, Today, I've declared to you good news that he wants to come into your life and be a part of your journey forward, not leaving you in the grip of what the enemy has done like, like, like children of Israel in Egypt. If you've never asked Jesus in your life to forgive you of your sin, to receive eternal life, it would be my greatest privilege to include you in a prayer that I'm about to, about to pray. If you're here, I'm just going to simply, if that's you, I'm going to simply count down five, four, three, two, and one. And at one, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to be a part of that prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Today's your day. Five and four, three, two, and one. Raise your hand if that's you today so I can see it. I'll acknowledge it. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you over here in the middle. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Back here. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> Yeah, come on, somebody. <laughs> well, we want you to take a step of faith right now. Pray, we'll pray it with you, but pray this prayer. Jesus never says no to it. He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you to invite him in. He couldn't wait to come and meet you today. Your, your eternal life is about to start right now. Let's pray this prayer. Those of you that put your hand up online, pray this with us. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me just the way I am. Come into my life now. Forgive my sin. I start my new life with you. I'm going free today in Jesus' name. Amen. We believe if you prayed that simple prayer, you're born again. He's living with you. We are so excited about that. Hey, God bless you. Have an amazing day, an amazing week. We'll see you next week. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, shout Jesus, shout Jesus from the Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over it.